What a project. Yeah. Six months into your honours, work with a gold medalist at the Olympics. So I came in about six months, I guess, leading into the Olympics that he won uh, the gold. And I was uh, a little underling uh, honours student, intern, and I did a project on his tumble tan and specifically a touch pad. So it was a big target because uh, when you swim longer distances, you do more turns. So it is an easy way to, I guess, save yeah. time, shave off time by being more efficient in your turns. And, and they identified that as a strategy leading into the Olympics. It was great to be part of the team and understand what's involved to win a gold medal. Very cool. Very cool. I'm, I'm happy to credit you with that, with that <laughs> gold. Very kind. G'day guys, coming up on the show today is Dr. Victoria Brackley. Victoria is a biomechanist at the Victorian Institute of Sport. Victoria has one of the coolest jobs I think we've ever had on the show, working with elite athletes on how they can use better techniques, skills and movements to be better at what they do. Victoria mainly works with some of Australia's best swimmers to improve their lap times and overall ability in the pool. There's heaps to look out for in this episode with what it's like to work with elite athletes, what some essential skills are to be a biomechanist, and what a day in the life looks like and where to start if you're looking for a job in this space. Let's go. I started volunteering. It's all about who you know in sport. Am I going to be calling the last 10 seconds of the grand final? You can connect with the interviewer. The hand goes up when they've got to make a decision. Having a network is one of the most important things you can do. I didn't necessarily follow my passion. I followed my curiosity. Once you've worked in sport, there's no going back. And then lo and behold, before I left, I got offered two. Hello and welcome to the Sports Grab Podcast, the ultimate guide to make it in the sports industry. I'm Ryan Walker and joining me is the Dolphin, Ruben Williams. We are two mates who met at Cricket Australia and each week we learn how people made it in the sports industry. We tease out their career decisions, work habits, skills and everything they do that makes them great. Also, you can learn how to get in the industry, get promoted and get thriving in sports. Rubes, the dolphin. What do you reckon about that? G'day, Ryan. How are you? G'day, everybody. The dolphin. Have you just lost? Uh, have you run out of adjectives and now you're just naming animals? Well, I, I was thinking. You know, I like to relate the word to the episode, and and Dr. Vic, absolute superstar. Um, she works with some dolphins in the pool, and I reckon like you're a pretty, pretty rangy sort of character. Like you quite, you've got long arms, long legs. So I reckon you'd be all right in the pool. So I thought you were going to say you've got long arms and long legs like a dolphin. <laughs> I was like, I think they have fins. Yeah, probably, probably bad explanation but there. No, but I, I can see that, the yeah. Australian swim team of the yeah. dolphins. She works with some of the best, so I thought let's bring the, the Australian swim team into it. Nice. Um, but how's things? What's been happening? Good, good. A lot's been happening. We, yeah, lots has been happening. We've just returned from Brisbane where we had a marvellous meet-up at Suncorp Stadium watching the Broncos take on the Panthers. Had an excellent turnout. Got to see our wonderful Brisbane community up there. And uh, now we're getting ready to do it all again in Melbourne, yep. which is uh, super exciting. We're going to the marvellous MCG to mm. watch Melbourne versus Carlton on a Friday night, which doesn't really get much better than that. Yeah. And um, But we've discovered a loophole. So mm. In our own product. In our, in our own product. <laughs> we kind of set up all these different... <laughs> Uh, systems and processes in sports grad to allow people to engage in the community and meetups. And we've we've found a loophole for those who want a cheaper ticket to the Melbourne versus Carlton meetup. So, for example, if you're new to sports grad and you want to become a sports grad member, if you jump onto the website, you'll see a code that gives you a free month. Mm. And once you're inside the sports grad community, inside you get a whole bunch of exclusive perks, one of which is discounts to meetups. So if you just wanted a discount to this meetup, you could theoretically jump on, become a member for free, grab the code to become, to get a cheaper ticket, mm. go to the meetup, cancel your membership if you want. I don't really care. Do whatever you want just to get in for free or for cheaper. And, um, yeah, there's a little way that you can hack, hack the system. But mm. um, I reckon you can have fun once you're in there. So go nuts on that discount code. Yeah, absolutely. I love finding loopholes in our own product. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, there's no easier way to get in. If you've been thinking about it for a little while, mm. you know, you can get a free month, a cheaper ticket, and, hey, you can check it out in the process. And mm. if you don't like it, get out of there. If you love <laughs> it, which we reckon you might, uh, you're in. So That's it. check that out. Go to our website, become a member, get that code once you get inside uh, Discord. 
and uh, you'll be good to go. Mm. Uh, Melbourne is going to be unreal. Um, you know, working with with Melbourne Footy Club, MCC, um, the room is fantastic. Get our own sort of hospitality area. Um, the game, the game will be on the TV, but then obviously you can go out and get your own seat to the game, right in the Shane Warne stand. Unbelievable seats. Even you know we're at level two, right? Yeah, I think level two, three. I think it's that little in between bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, seats are all together, so you, you'll be with the people that you meet on the night. Um, food provided. Got guest speakers. We've got Emma Fitzpatrick, head of people at the MCC. She's fantastic. Great friend of sports crowd, and then Ben Herbert as well, who's an event manager at Melbourne Footy Club. He's got a really great story um, to share as well. So it's going to be a great night. Mm. Um, we're really gearing up. This week is all about gearing up to Friday. Yep. Um, and also a big shout-out to, to Brisbane. for th- Thank you for having us. The Broncos were fantastic. Um, Kate Cullen and the team there are really, really great and, and great friends of ours. So um, thank you for having us at Suncorp. We're Broncos fans. I uh, think so. I think that's pretty clear uh, from now on. So um, get your tickets to Melbourne. And uh, we'll see you on Friday. Then we'll also make some announcements about Adelaide and Sydney going forward in mm. the next week or so. So very exciting time uh, to come along to our events. And uh, London, just to add to that. Yeah. Ooh, gee, uh, <laughs> I didn't want to go there, but <laughs> when will we release that? Is that this week? Uh, pretty soon. Pretty, pretty soon. soon. I'm just going to put all the details just together. Just out a few details. Yeah, yeah. I've got the venue. I just need to that, share it with people. <laughs> I reckon that's one of the one of the biggest announcements in in our time. Yeah. International meetups. Obviously, we had India. Fantastic. Yep. But um, a bit further away from home, mm. which is uh, which is massive. London, the capital of the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're a funny man. Um, all righty. Well, enough enough play. Let's, uh, let's get into this episode. If you don't already, follow us on LinkedIn. And if you want to connect with us and over 500 others working in sport, you can become a member of the SportsGrad community. Rubes has already spoken about the loophole, uh, so get in on that. Rubes, what has been happening in the community as of late? All right, a few wins from our community, which has been going off. The, the, the month of May has just been insane for mm. community wins. Uh, I'll start with Anant Singnanya, who is probably like the 30th person from the community to join the FIFA Women's World Cup. They've been popping off, haven't they? Yep, yep. He has just started full-time as a venue accreditation coordinator. So well done to you, Anandvir. Uh, I love this one. Desmond Kaviagu is starting a new role as the team Papua New Guinea performance manager at the Papua New Guinea Olympic Committee. How cool is that? How good is that gig? <laughs> Unreal. He'll be going to Paris 2024, no doubt. Desmond is an absolute cracker as well. So shout out to him. He's a great yep. guy. Good on you, Des. Uh, Yuri Bilicic is joining Mojo Sports as an AFL panellist. What well on to you, Yuri. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jordan Beecham just got a role as Community Play HQ trainer at Cricket Victoria, our good friends over at CV at Junction Oval. So, Jordan, we no doubt know that you're going to have a great time there. So, well done to those guys. Plenty of others that we could have mentioned as well. But um, if you haven't already, got the, get those meet-up tickets. But if you want to meet people beforehand or around the country or around the world, we've got plenty of... Um, uh, speed networking nights coming up in the community as well. Not to mention job fairs where you can chat directly to hiring managers, uh, get your name out there, become memorable in their eyes and uh, ask all your questions at the same time. Anyway, if you want to stay in touch with everything that's going on at SportsGrad, sign up to get our newsletter. Head to sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to subscribe. There's a link in our show notes to join. Brilliant. I must say the newsletter is looking fantastic as of late. A few little tweaks have been made, mm. a few system changes. It's looking slick and that's all thanks to you. And, and Acacia, of course, who mm. jumps in. So subscribe to that. Uh, anyway, let's get cracking. Grab a pen. Enjoy this chat with Dr. Victoria Brackley. Deakin University will better prepare you to help shape the future of the sports industry. That's why Deakin's School of Exercise and Nutrition Sciences is ranked number one in the world. Deakin's elite sports precinct and specialised indoor exercise and sports science building houses world-class facilities including an MCG-sized oval and FIFA-grade soccer pitches along with a climate chamber, biomechanics lab, motor learning lab and huge group fitness areas. Be ready to transform the industry and redefine the future. 
open up endless opportunities in the world of exercise and sports science by applying to study at Deakin in 2023. Victoria, thanks for joining us on the Sports Show podcast. Thanks for having me. Victoria, you've uh, you've just come back from New South Wales, we believe, with the Victorian swimming team. Can you tell us about the uh, the tournament that you're involved in in up there? What what was going on? Who was racing? What what's on offer with this tournament you're at? Yeah, so it's our last, I guess, meet before trials. So trials is the big one. Uh, so I was at the Sydney Open and or... trials for world championships. Yes, yep. sorry. Yes, correct me. I'm talking swimming lingo so yeah just bring me back if you don't understand um yeah so it's our last kind of I guess in-season meet they call it before the world trials and um so yeah a lot of university representatives there so like say we've got a few swimmers from Nunawading or Melbourne Vic Centre um and rather than representing their club they would represent you know University of Melbourne or Monash Mm. um and they kind of swim so like I, I think I said candidly in the hallway, it's like their university games for swimming. Nice. Amazing. Nice. And is our proud Victorian Mac Horton a part of that crew? Uh, I didn't see his oh, – yes, he was there. He was there. He was representing uh, Griffith. Yeah, so he was there. Um, but he's no longer in Victoria. He represents Queensland now. Oh, no. Because oh. I believe you did all the work with him to work in his tumble turn. Is that correct? Uh, I wouldn't say all the work. Um, I think everyone, <laughs> can't attribute it to you. No, oh. I think a lot of people like to, um, you know, take credit where they can. But um, I guess my perspective is um, I like to be in the background, and uh, so I came in about six months, I guess, leading into the Olympics that he won uh, the gold, and I was uh, a little underling uh, honors student intern, and I did a project on his tumble turn and specifically a touch pad. So. Uh, it wasn't, I, I can't attribute the credit. He has got an awesome coach, Craig Jackson. He had a great biomechanist at the time, Elaine Tor, and, uh, you know, great, great service team. Uh, so it was great to be part of the team and understand what's involved to win a gold medal. And how much did he win that gold medal by in terms of time? Oh, I couldn't tell you anymore. You should have, you should have briefed me on time <laughs> prior to getting onto this podcast. Uh, he won gold. The time it, it doesn't really matter. escapes me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, I just I just want to find out if it was by yeah. the margins of the time that you shaved off on the, each tumble turn. <laughs> well, that's a great point, actually. That's a fair point. It was a big target because uh, when you swim longer distances, you do more turns. So it is an easy way to, I guess, save yeah. time, shave off time by being more efficient in your turns. And, and they identified that as a strategy leading into the Olympics. Amazing. Nice. Project, yeah. Six months into your honours, work with a gold medalist at the Olympics. Very cool. Very cool. I'm, I'm happy to credit you with that with that mm. gold. Um, <laughs> Very kind. So, yeah. Um, Vic, we, we start every episode with a bit of a, a quick fire questions at you so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. So I'll kick start with the first one. What was your first ever job? First ever job was at KFC Fern Tree Gully. Love so, it. Yeah, I loved it actually. It was really, I was so pumped to get a job. I think I was 14, 15. So yeah, it was fun. No better place than KFC too. Absolutely. <laughs> now this, this might be a longer answer, but what did you study at university? This is a longer answer. So <laughs> I, you know, tragic academic, I call it. Um, so I think to give a, a bit of context, I sort of was interested in sport Uh, but I didn't want to go down your classic sports science route. I was fairly good at maths and physics, and at the time, Victoria University offered a sports engineering sort of course, so it was kind of called engineering science and then kind of tagged on to sports engineering. Uh, So that was three years where you did sort of a blend of electrical, mechanical engineering, and biomechanics. So that was kind of my introduction into biomechanics. Um, and then at the end of the three years, I was like, oh, shit, what do I do with this? Oh, sorry, said shit on your podcast. That's okay. It's <laughs> um, been worse, don't worry. Uh, I wasn't sure, uh, like, what, what am I going to do with my degree? Um, and then I thought, oh, well, I'll go down the mechanical engineering route. A lot of my projects were sort of geared in that direction. Uh, so I went to Melbourne Uni uh, for about six months. And I was like, no, this isn't my cup of tea. And I was working as an, a mechanical engineer at the time as well, while I was doing my master's there. And um, and then I guess through, I guess, your network and friends, I, they sort of sent me this uh, traineeship internship at the Victorian Institute of Sport. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I'll get in. I'm not your classic sports scientist. But um, 
yeah, I got an interview and um, on the panel was one of my supervisors from Victoria University in the biomechanics course. So, you know, if you're listening, be nice to all your lecturers. They will remember (laughs) you. And, uh, yeah, I got the opportunity and and then I guess the Mac Horton story was what I was um, put into at the time there. So I guess they tapped into more my engineering uh, experience and... Yeah, so that was an honours as well. And then that led into, at the end of that, they um, I was offered if I'd like to do a PhD and that's something I never thought I would do. I was like, smart people do PhDs. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that was in swimming again um, and this time more specifically in the biomechanics skill acquisition area. So I didn't know much about skill acquisition, so that was a, a nice little learning curve there. And yes, it was an awesome uh, experience for about three years and 10 months doing PhD. And uh, yeah, that wow. was my university journey. It was a bit long-winded. I Amazing. tried to condense That's it. That's right. How many years in total studying? Um, so I think I started in 2012 and my PhD was confirmed in 2021, so that's really, Oof. really sad, actually. <laughs> I've never actually reflected on how long I studied for, so. Nice. Yes. Very good. That's, better better that's, part of a decade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's incredible. Crazy. Nice. Uh, what's your favourite sporting moment? Uh, I love tennis. I have. I did share this with you. So, um, and, you know, Ash Barty, read her books, follow her intently. So uh, her winning yeah. the Australian Open was pretty fun. I, I never miss watching the Australian Open. So, yeah, that was pretty epic. And do you have a favourite interview question that you ask of people or enjoy answering? Well... I wouldn't say I'm that really famous or, you know, sought after for interviews, so I can't really comment on what I've really been asked. (laughs) Um, But I guess a favourite question is usually something very, very candid and fun, like... Like what shows you're watching? Pretty much. Bring your personality out. Yeah, just something funny, like, do you like cats or dogs or, Mm. you know, something like that. That is a good question. Yeah. Well, Emily Jackson, the head of legal at the FIFA Women's World Cup, said exactly the same thing. So... Some elite questions going on from yeah. New South Wales and Victorian organisations. Yeah. <laughs> and quickly judge them on what they're watching on Netflix at the moment. Yep. <laughs> right, you can totally judge on us. Yeah. Uh, what's one book or, or podcast you'd recommend that's, that's helped you at work? Uh, help me at work? Um, I do enjoy listening to podcasts. Um, I think from a, again, like I mentioned, I sort of came into like I'm my route into skill acquisition was only sort of from 2016-17. So uh, there was a shaky weight, shaky weights, I think, or, or I have to double check that. He talks about all different um, skill acquisition sort of strategies that he does in baseball over in, in America. So I found that really interesting, like the constraints-led approach, or I'm not sure if you're familiar with things in skill acquisition, but I found that very insightful from a podcast perspective, yeah. Amazing. And uh, are you associated with any grassroots sporting clubs? Um, Well, I'm not sure if I want to share this with you. Well, I don't know with grassroots, but my husband and I, we play lawn bowls. Amazing. uh, Quite competitively. Um, So I'm always very, very shy about sharing this, but that's how we actually met as well. Wow. When we were juniors. I was 16, he was 17. So why we were playing bowls. I don't know. I think he came from his his granddad recommended it, and my parents played, and then we met at a junior tournament, and we're still married. So there we go. Yeah. Incredible. That is epic. I love yeah. that. Yeah. One of the great bowl stories. Oh, there's there's too many. There's too many bowl stories, but um, yeah, it's it's very fun, very social. We're a very young team, so I guess it doesn't. I think people associate it with mm. um, more mature people playing the game. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we're quite we're quite young. So it's do, not, do the people at the VIS know this about you, or are they going to listen to this and then come to the office <laughs> on Monday and say, "Wow, VB, I didn't know you were such a great bowler." No, they do know. It came out very early uh, that they that I play, and we've had some like Christmas parties playing bowls, and we actually have athletes on scholarship playing bowls at the VIS. Yeah. So uh, the performance analysts they um, had some fun showing me a little clip of their work, and they said, "Oh, this is a strategy we promise." Because, uh, you know, their bowls were scattered everywhere. Um, so, yeah, they all know. So it's, nice. it's, a, little, it's a bit of fun now. Not, not just your, your standard barefoot bowls on a, on a Sunday no. afternoon operator. Real, 
real, real serious. Real serious. Got my own bowls, own shoes. Yeah. You know, mm. Got the bag. Yeah. Love it. That'd be one of the great perks of uh, working at the VIS that you've got yeah. all these amazing coaches and analysts around you that even if you're just, you know, playing on the weekends, you've got someone who can help you improve drastically. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, Absolutely. it'd be great to have someone to analyse my, my golf swing at the moment. Mm. Look at that, maybe. It's funny you say that. My uh, swimmer, he was talking to me about that as well. He's like, can you can you help me with this like, putting technique? And <laughs> I was like, oh, you, you might be stretching it there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be unreal. Um, last one, if you had 30 minutes to pick anyone's brain, who would that be? This is going to be totally unsport related, but I love to cook, so I'll probably do, I'll do Jamie Oliver. Just pick his brain. Nice. Yeah, he's been in the industry for so long. Just, awesome. I just want to know more about him. I think I also, from a sport perspective, if we want to bring it back to your podcast, probably Andre Agassi, which I don't know if your mm. listeners would mm. still uh, know who this man is. Um, but legend. Yeah, legend. His book is incredible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, do... Again, back to my tennis enjoyment. I, I like the how you've gone out of sport for that question. There might mm. be something for us to, to bring in, like who out of sport and who in a sport. Yeah. I like that. Jamie Oliver would be epic to have It'd a chat cool. to. Mm. Now that I'm just thinking, I think a great question to ask is, um, uh, you know, if you had a dinner party, who would be like yeah. three? Who's your five invites or something? Or three. Do three, three a bit more include, like exclusive and um, mm. what would you ask them? That's a good Ooh. one as well. Yeah. I've thought about the dinner party part, but I haven't thought what I'd ask them. Mm. Should we do that mm. next step? Maybe next time. Throw a bit of a curveball. <laughs> yep. Lovely. Awesome. Well, let, let's dive into your journey and how you got to where you are. Um, I know a lot of people studying sports science would be thinking like, what do you do with a sports science degree? What options are out there? Um, and so fantastic that we finally have a biomechanist in the room so with reference to your journey how do you become a biomechanist yeah that's um that's a great question um my husband said to me the other day he's like oh you're a biomechanist and i was like oh yeah i am like (laughs) i kind of had to reflect on it i was like yeah it's on my email signature but um it's i guess when i look at biomechanics like the actual root of what a biomechanist is it's basically your understanding of physics and maths and sort of biology and applied to the human body or it can be animals as well. Um, So I guess that's kind of the caveat of what biomechanics is. Um, How you get into biomechanics, um, I think there's a few like routes these days. Like I think you've got your students that do, you know, your sports science degree, but I think what helps you to, I guess, expand and um, I guess be familiar with biomechanics or performance analysis or whatever route it might be is to actually um, do your traineeships or internships in the field Um, because to be honest I didn't actually realize biomechanics existed um, until I did my you know the units at university and I was like oh yeah you know it's biomechanics and then I didn't realize it wasn't actually a job until I sort of entered my traineeship and then you get a real mm. appreciation of what a biomechanist looks like from an applied perspective. And then also you've got your more academic um, biomechanists as well. So I don't know if I've really answered your question, but if you do your degree, if, if you have a specific passion of something. So like I mentioned at the beginning, I was really interested in your maths and your physics, um, but I really liked sport as well. So just saying that that's kind of what a biomechanist is. Um, and then you kind of, you do your degree and you find opportunity and people that um, can kind of help you marry up um, where you can sort of end up in that field. And, and how much study have people who end up as a biomechanist, uh, how much study do they typically do? Is it something you can do one degree and jump into or, you know, is, is 10 years like you've done the, the, the requirement? I think 10 years is maybe a little bit extreme, um, <laughs> but like I can probably only speak to the high performance aspect or and, and partially academic as well. Um, but you do your classic degree, but because it's really competitive, the, the field these days, if you see how many students enter sports science and so w- what's going to set you apart and it's your, um, your willingness to learn. So that's going out and doing traineeships, but then also... Um, sort of doing a little bit more specialised study. So if you do your generic um, sports science degree, it might be three years, it might be four years with an honours. 
Um, and then if you do a master's or PhD or, um, you know, a, like a traineeship internship, you kind of need a top up. So mm. I wouldn't say if you just do your sports science degree, you will get into um, sort of a biomechanist role. You do need to have a little bit more specialisation or, um, or, or, or present yourself with an eagerness to continue your learning, which is what I continue to do today. You're always learning. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And I, like I, so I did a double degree in sport management and exercise science at, at Deakin and there, were, there would have been hundreds of people doing the sports science degree with me. And you mentioned VU, they've got a great course. ACU has another great course. There's lots of sports science courses out there. So there's thousands of students around the, the country in Australia alone. But when you start to get to that postgraduate study, how many of them are actually zeroing in on becoming a biomechanist? Well, again, I can only speak from my experience. Um, so like, for example, we had just a flux, like an influx of um, trainees come into the Victorian Institute of Sport. And um, so we had physiology, performance analysis and bio- biomechanics. Um, and, you know, probably out of the, I'm going to say, let's say 60 applications, uh, you know, we maybe had um, out of the 60, 10 maybe that were interested in biomechanics. Uh, the rest sort of steered more into your performance analysis and physiology mm-hmm. role. And I think that's partially because um, being based in Victoria, a lot of, um, I guess, graduates are familiar with football and team sports, and that lends itself really well to performance analysis. Um, Biomechanics, yes, there's biomechanics in team sports. You know, we look at the kick. If you look at Kevin Ball, he was my lead um, supervisor at my PhD back in the day. Um, So he has a lot of work in biomechanics and kicking. But I think people's um, outside perspective would be more um, either in your performance analysis or then physiology, basically, you know, your your VO2 and helping the athlete, you know, train their engine, like we say. So biomechanics is less, I guess, popular. Uh, I think people get a little bit nervous, especially if you come from a sports science degree. They're like, oh, there's too much maths and physics. Um, But we have some great software and computers that do a lot Mm. of calculations for you. So... Uh, rest assured, you don't need to be a you know an engineer to become a biomechanist. <laughs> no. um, it's just understanding the concepts is you know the main starting point. Sounds like there's a there's a bit of opportunity there because you know the amount of people here of you know wanting to do player analysis and and performance analysis, whatever you want to call it, and they kind of pigeon themselves in like a an AFL club or mm. an NRL club or whatever. Mm. But there's like there's so many sports out there with so many different roles that if you you look a bit outward. Um, you, you'll probably find something that's a, probably a little bit more interesting and probably pay a bit more and, and whatnot. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there's so many like like at the VIS, we have hockey um, performance analysts, we have um, you know biomechanics and athletics, but then like equally, like I said, when I went to my swimming championship, like I probably do more biomechanics in the training environment, so like the testing of their stroke and skills. But then when they're in competition, my role would probably look more like a performance analyst, actually, the, the software and the, the type of work that I do. Mm. So it is quite diverse, which mm. is fun. And how did you end up focusing on swimming? And can your approach like be transferred to any sport? Like, could you pick up any sport and be like, All right, I'm going to tell you how you can make a 5% increase? Yeah, so... Yeah. So I guess to answer your first part of the question, how I ended up in swimming was very, I guess, accidental. So like I said, I got the traineeship opportunity and uh, the the three sports that they had was sailing, uh, I think it was netball and swimming, and we had to give like a little presentation on how we would... um, you know, they gave us a little case study and um, swimming was the one that I was most comfortable with. So I did it in swimming and that's basically, that was it. So then I was put in the swimming program and then I got the opportunity to do my PhD in swimming as well. So um, yeah, that's how I entered in swimming. Uh, I think your second part of the question was... Could, could your approach be transferred to other sports? Yeah, so I guess that's the thing you have to be... Um, careful with so when you do any like PhD or postgraduate I'm obviously very focused on swimming Um, and as I guess in your learning to be able to consider um, how you apply it to other areas as well Um, so the the principles of biomechanics you can apply to other sports Um, how you assess movement um, the fundamentals are the same Um, the application is a little bit different. So if I, like, I think I've done some projects in triathlon. 
Um, I would do the assessment, you, you provide a report. But again, I think a real caveat is you, you need to, if you can give the report um, and that would be fine across sports, but if you actually are going to give recommendations on drills and how to adjust the technique, um, that would require a little bit more understanding of the sport and that's where you lean more on the coach as well and working with um, the coach. Um, I'm very familiar with swimming and our dynamic is different, so the coach gives me room to sort of work in that space. Um, but yeah, always, I guess the caveat is if you're a young listener and, and you're wanting to give advice, um, I, I see the coach often as sort of your captain of the ship and you, you kind of want to support the coach and the athletes. So you go through them first and just going gun-ho. So that's kind of my approach is I provide the numbers and the report, um, but you kind of make sure there's context because if the athlete is injured or it's para, they, their movement will look a little bit different as well. That was very long-winded. No, Sorry. That's, no, that's awesome. fine. I reckon, yeah. I reckon uh, Shane Leonage said something very similar. So Shane is uh, – I'm glad you like tennis because Shane is a performance analyst for Arena Zabalenka, uh, Australian Open champion this year. And uh, he said something very similar about, you know, w- when you're in, in an analytical role and working with coaches, sometimes you have to find that balance between mm. how much data is enough data or too much data before the coach says, actually, this doesn't serve me anymore. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, mm. that's yeah. 100% right. Mm. What does uh, what does the typical day and then the, the typical week look like for you? Yeah, so um, I'll speak to swimming. So half my role is in swimming and then half my role is sort of with other projects, sort of ad hoc as they come up. Um, but swimming is embedded. Uh, so I would see the athletes. So in Victoria, we have two hub programs, if you'd like to call it. So they have two separate coaches, um, but they're, the, they're high performance squads. And uh, then we have a few para-athletes as well, but they might have their individual coaches. Uh, Typically, I would see them at least two or three times a week, so the athletes. Um, And so, yeah, so I guess the biomechanics and skill acquisition blend. So potentially at the beginning of the season, I might do an assessment of their stroke and skills. We might review their sort of race reports and have a look at benchmarks and just see areas where they need to improve. Um, and then using that information, you know, you, you work with your coach and we kind of come together with a strategy on how we're going to, what skills we're going to target on and then how we're going to periodize it and actually help the athlete learn. So I guess my role is blended. Yes, I'm a biomechanist, but because I have that background in skill acquisition, um, you don't want to just, you know, this is, you need to, you know, improve your angle by, you know, 10 degrees. Because if I told you that, you're like, what is 10 degrees? How do I actually do that? So a large part of my role is actually helping the athlete learn and improve that skill and then make it robust so that it can withstand in competition. So that's kind of when I say periodize, that's kind of what it looks like. Um, And I might do like a six week block or depending when their next benchmark event is. So then when I say I see them individually, that is part of their kind of skill plan. We might be exploring the skill, I might be adding variability to it. Um, And then we have different test Um, tests along the way as well Um, I use a lot of footage like cameras Mm -hmm. underwater cameras um, (coughs) we have velocity meters the water um, technology doesn't like water very much so we do have to um, find workarounds for that or do things manually Um, so yeah typically it's yes a couple times a week then you do your your number crunching and then there's also some travel when we have our maybe separate testing or um, competitions as well so do you have an example of where you've seen an inefficiency in an athlete and thought, okay, if we make X change, hopefully it leads to Y result? And I was wondering if you could speak to any sort of quantifiable change that you saw over that periodization. Yeah, so I, you know, I can give an example. All athletes would have, um, you know, an area that you can see a quantifiable change, but. Um, say one of our sprinters, um, uh, he was uh, really challenged with his dive depth. So he kept, um, so basically if you dive into the water too deep, then it, you kind of waste time kind of traveling back up to the surface to start swimming. Uh, so um, we did some sort of force testing. So we understood basically his transfer from his back legs to his arms, what he was doing there. Um, and we also did um, just he's a, a large man as well, so we thought we can adjust the, the little kicker. So if you see the wedge, like an athletic wedge on the starting block, so we could adjust that. 
uh, then we did a block of practicing that and you retest and we can actually see he had you know faster velocity it helped him be sort of more horizontal and not as deep into the water um, and, and sort of now our next transitioning is just being a little bit faster on the breakout. So there's always something else to sort of work on, but I guess a real key thing is to be quite targeted so that you can really help the athlete learn that area um, before, you know, you, you don't want to tell them five things that's very depressing or, you know, discouraging. You want to be quite strategic and, and I guess your experience and understanding the sport and I guess the mechanics of movement, you can target one area which might fix, you know, two other little challenges rather than fixing them individually. So that's kind of an example of the test. Um, and then I guess to help him learn, I had different strategies, you know, to jump through a hula hoop and, and different things just to help him um, make that shift and, and help him perceive what he's supposed to do. So, so was, it the, was it the angle of the, the block that it was positioned at or was it the angle he was jumping off at or both? Or um, Yeah, so both. So um, I guess a key that we try to help the athlete is from if we go back to the fundamentals of like Newton's laws, um, action, reaction. And um, so we basically want the athlete to press down in a direction because there will be an equal and opposite force in the opposite direction. So if he's pressing down, like sort of down, directly down off the block, he's gonna go up rather than forward. So kind of positioning him in a way that he really pushes back on the kicker. So then that reaction force, tell me if I'm going too complicated. No, no, go no, as technical as you like. Um, then the, um, so then sort of he pushes back in sort of that opposite reaction really drives him horizontally. So that was kind of the key starting point and sort of helping his position on the block to allow that. Um, and, and I say this, it sounds like it's just me, but then I work with the strength and conditioning coach and the physio that he has the flexibility and strength to do that. And they were like, yep, he's strong enough, he's great. It's, it's purely just a mechanics thing. So it just kind of shows you how we work together as a team. So then, yeah, so I help him position better off the block and he was still sort of having some challenges with the depth. So rather than instructions, and this comes back to the skill acquisition and you know, I told you the, the podcast and the learning that I did through my PhD, sometimes just putting a scenario or constraint, they call it. So I just basically told him to jump through the hula hoop. I measured the depth where it's minimal drag. So we know that through, through research and understanding. So I positioned the hula hoop and he just, all my instruction was go through the hula hoop. And it was incredible how his positioning off the block was, was horizontal, was great and he could go through the hula hoop. And it was purely the only instruction was to go through the hula hoop. Um, so you, you sometimes have to keep it simple, even though it can be very complicated. I have to remind myself of the simplicity of how that can then mm. create the shift. That's amazing. Wow. I'm just imagining you go into like a dinner party and they ask you, what do you do? And you say, I help Olympians jump through hula hoops. <laughs> I have jump grown. the water at the right depth. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite funny. Sometimes when people look at me on pool deck, they're like, what the heck is she doing? But it's all because like, it's understanding what they need to achieve, but then a large part of my role is helping them achieve that. It's, it's learning. It's like your teacher or your coach. You know, how, do, how do they actually get it? And um, so I, I find that really fun to, to learn the athlete, how they tick, what are their favorite subjects at school, and mm. you kind of know, are they, are they a numbers person? Are they visual, feel? Um, and then I kind of try to tap into that wavelength when I work with them. So you like constantly coming up with like different analogies to try and help them understand what you're trying to teach? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so again, like I, um, I can't take credit for all, like we have a great network. So often when I see that this athlete is challenged in a certain way, I'm like, how can I help the athlete? And I might call a colleague and be like, do you have any drills or suggestions or analogies or, you know, there might be a textbook or, you know, some coach on Instagram did a thing and I'll be like, oh, I'll try that out. Um, and, and then that's kind of, so you sort of piece together lots of ideas um, and then I decide which one I'm going to try with them. And I also tell the athlete, like in that block, that they are allowed to make mistakes. I think a lot of elite athletes are like, it must be perfect all the time. But when you're learning a skill, it's going to look messy. So I give that them the license to explore and experiment and that can really help them shift and, and start to feel and learn as well. So I have a lot of fun mm. with that. Are you doing that, the, the jumping through the hula hoop, is that with the coach there as well and then he goes up and does laps or is that just like you just pull him aside and do this drill 
jumps in, jumps out, jumps in, jumps out? That's a great question. So often um, when I'll call it like the exploration phase. So like I said, we block, we periodize. I probably have exploration, variability, then comp readiness. Again, tell me if I need to dial back on No, it. no, more, more technical. Love it. <laughs> um, so in the exploration phase um, is where I allow the athletes. So the coach and I have established what we're going to work on. So that's clear. So then I go and we're like, hey, we want to fix this dive component. How can I help the athlete? And I would have um, – it wouldn't be in their main session. So it's either – um, you know, in a recovery, you know, they, they train nine times, nine sessions a week. So, um, you know, there's a few recovery, more skill focused ones. So, you know, they don't do as many Ks. So I would come in those sessions and the coach, he's very generous. Um, both of them are, and I'll have like a 20 minute, half an hour block, maybe once or twice a week with that athlete to, you know, help them with their skills. So it's very one-on-one, um, in that phase of the skill work. Awesome. Incredible. That was a great insight into yeah. what goes on. I never knew it was so important for them to dive at a certain depth. <laughs> oh, there's, it, it goes so deep. Oh, that's even a pun. So it just, uh, <laughs> I didn't even mean it. But yeah, there's so many, um, there's so many um, intricacies, which is very exciting. Yeah. Like it, it can be challenging because you're like, what the heck am I doing? But mm. it is exciting at the yeah. same time. Amazing. Um, if you had to drill down your job into sort of like three essential skills or essential experiences, what would those top three be? Three skills. Um, well, I guess biomechanics, you, you want to know the fundamentals. So I think most of your exercise and sports students um, listening to this podcast, you would do an element of biomechanics, understanding human movement. So I think having that really um, a clear understanding of just, um, you know, the, the sequencing of um, joints and movement is crucial. Newton's laws some fundamentals of physics, um, that is really the, the pinnacle of biomechanics. So being pretty astute in that area, especially even though we have programs, you know, programs can give you funny numbers. So you need to, if you have some understanding, you can de- depict if that's correct or not. Um, another skill, I think I sort of met, mentioned it briefly throughout is I guess your communication and your collaboration. So, um, you do like to have the greatest impact or for myself and I'm still learning this is um, constantly um, getting to know your coaches and athletes first so I think when you come into a role when you're new you want to have impact you want to um, present all your skills that you have but really coaches want to see if if you're a um, approachable person and they can work with you so um, I guess yeah showing that interest in the athlete in the coach just learning the sport so like you said can my skills be transferable yes if you have the fundamentals and biomechanics but you do actually have to have that curiosity um, and I guess willingness to shift certain things there's certain things that I don't compromise on but there's other things that aren't the dream of how I would love to operate but in this season, and this coach likes to do it this way, so you know, I'm I'm willing to sort of compromise and, and vice versa from both sides. So that communication piece, collaboration is like it's so crucial that you they will not want you on full deck if they don't like you or they can't work with you. Um, and then the third one, um, I, I guess, would be continue to be curious, like so, and continue your learning um, because that yeah, you come out of university. Yes, I'm an ag- academic tragic and, um, you know, very long, uh, you know, I never dreamed of doing something like that. But I think it did enable me to continue to learn. So like sports science, um, we're constantly pushing the boundaries. So you need to be aware of, you know, who's breaking world records? What are they doing? What is the research saying? How can we, you know, improve those small percentages to help the athletes? So hopefully that sort of gave yeah. you a depiction. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, because you're right. World records being broken every single year, and that only comes to people like, well, how can we get that minimal increase next time? And um, I liked what you said about um, how you have to be able to get along with everyone on the pool deck, otherwise they're not going to want you there, and your understanding of the fundamentals of the human body and physics aren't going to make a difference. Because it um, relates to a story that I heard the other day at Cricket Australia, whereby they were interviewing a new physio for the men's team. And uh, Pat Cummins, the captain of the Australian cricket team, was on the interview panel purely from like, a, is this person going to fit into the uh, the team travelling around the world together? So uh, it's an important part being able to fit mm. into the culture of an elite squad. 
Absolutely. I think, um, well, my interview for the role that I'm in now, one of the swimming coaches that I work with, he was on the panel as well. So I think they want to get your, your vibes. And, um, yeah. you know, it, it, it sounds, it's very, it sounds very, um, I guess, objective or, but, um, yeah, you need to like the person. So you need to, you know, have a good working relationship to have impact together. You've got to get your vibes. I like yeah. that. Vibes. <laughs> yeah. um, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but I want to speak about like specifically being a biomechanist. Like, is it super, super competitive once you get to that stage where there's only limited jobs available? Yeah, it's there's not an abundance of jobs. Let's put it. That, I'm, I'm yeah. not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Um, it's um, there's like at Victorian Institute of Sport, we have two biomechanists currently. Yeah. Um, and then you know you have roles within academia. Um, if you're if you're interested in more research, then there's biomechanic roles as well. Um, so yeah, it is. It's not a. Um, there's not an abundance of jobs out there, but I think the way sports science is moving um, in that more sort of appreciation of sort of data and um, movement, I can only see it being sort of more and more, you know, I'm sure we'll get another biomechanist at the VIS, you know, in coming years. Um, who knows, you know, where technology leads um, leads us. So It sounds like everyone, like you do a little bit of everything at the same time. You know, you're not just doing like being a biomechanist, got to get that right. Like you're doing some analysis as well, which is kind of cool. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it just, I guess you have to be... Um, uh, you know, you can't just have your your, your pigeonhole. Yeah. This is just what I do. You know, sometimes I'm pulling cords in for the athlete as well. That's not part of my job. Like, you know, to to you know work with them there, or I'm taking you know straight counts or whatever. Um, so you you know you, you you have to be willing to get your hand roll up your sleeves and 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 get in there, and that's how you build the relationship. Um, it's not that the the coach you know abuses that the aspect that you're there. It's it's all part of building. You're invested in their program and you want to help them. Uh, so, but yeah, I guess if you're a biomechanist and you have good understanding of um, you know performance analysis as well, you can you can shift between the two depending on the sport that you work in. Um, so you know your programming and coding um, works well in both those fields. Yeah, nice. What have been some of the uh, biggest challenges you've come across in the 10 year journey that took to get to the job you're in now? I try not to dwell too much on them. So I have to have to contemplate that. What do you mean in what context, like sporting context, like the journey of studying? Yeah. Were there any times we like, Oh gosh, I'm doing so much study. Is this going to lead anywhere? Or did you have issues applying for jobs or was, you know, networking a hurdle to get over? Like yeah, that, just a few ideas. No, that's great. Great. You've sparked some thinking. So um, I think towards, um, like, I guess when I finished my three-year degree, I'm like, you know, what am I going to do? Um, so that was kind of like a hurdle. Do I go down the more mechanical route? Um, how do I get my foot into sports science? And that was kind of reaching out to, um, now you know I play bowls. I didn't say this initially, but the <laughs> bowls high-performance manager who um, sort of knew me because I was in the network, I reached out to him and being like, you know, how can I get into more high-performance sport? And then that, that's how he reached out to um, say, oh, there's like this traineeship at VIS, you should apply for that. So that was kind of a little hurdle there. But then equally at the end of my PhD, I submitted my thesis in December 2020, but it only got confirmed in April of 21. And you're like, I've done all this study and I overqualified, like what job can I actually do now? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess you're trying not to be discouraged with all your studies that you've done. Um, so I guess the great thing is if you pursue more studies, it's always great to be aligned with sort of a, an institute. So I was with the VIS and Swimming Australia, so I had already some links there. Um, but then academia as well. So I did some like, um, you know, I, I did some lecturing for Deakin University in the biomechanics. I did some for Victoria University. So that was great. What, what year were you lecturing biomechanics at Deakin? I was doing first or second year. I think I was doing some of the tutorials. Um, and that was in 21. Because yeah, uh, yeah. I did biomechanics at Deakin in my last year in 2017. Uh, so. And it was, it was actually one of my favorite subjects because I was like, like I'm right into my cricket 
And the assignment was pick a sport and pick an action and go and analyze and improve it. So I uh, I got my group together and said, hey, can we do fast bowling for cricket and can I be the subject of it so I can get better at cricket? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and uh, it was the most interested I've ever been in an assignment ever purely out of self-interest for my bowling technique. That's so great. <laughs> but um, I, l- I love the process of it all. Yeah, they have a great course there. Um, yeah, so I did the, bar, the like all the tutorials uh, um, for them and they had, I think they do still a similar structure where the, the students had like a group and they could pick their sport. And yeah, I loved it. It was really fun to mark as well because we had all sorts of sports, um, you know, come up there and they had to be kind of creative with how they did their assessment of it. We were sort of during covid um, so yeah, it was great. It just showed that you can you can still get good data with you know you don't have to have the techie Vicon mm. equipment. Mm. You can it kind kind of comes back to knowing your fundamentals and yeah. how to use it well. How'd you go on that assignment? I'm glad you asked. Ninety five percent. Oh god. <laughs> well, shout out to Deegan. They're well, they're good friends. That's a great. Give it a ninety five. <laughs> that only happened because I picked fast bowling. <laughs> that's how interested I was in the in, in the topic. That's yeah. incredible. What a mark. <laughs> I'd, I Literally, the only, you put an assignment on cricket, I'll do well at it. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love it. No, fair enough. Um, who's helped you along the way? I know you mentioned the, your lawn bowls, high performance manager. Um, is there anyone else who, who sort of helped you get to where you got to or, or gave you some specific advice to, to get to where you are? So many people. So many people. List them out. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, Peter Brown was the high performance manager. Um, then, um, so then I started and so Dr. Elaine Tor was my first biomechanist supervisor. So, um, she was, a, and, um, and then Kevin Ball, Dr. Oh, he's, I think he's a professor now, actually. Um, wow. Kevin Ball, he was the biomechanist at, uh, Victoria University. He still is there. Um, so those people who were so generous with their time, um, in helping me just understand and learn. So I think that was, um. Yeah, I, I try to remember that when people ask me questions now because I, I got so much out of that. And then um, I guess from a skill acquisition lens, um, Professor Damien Farrow, he was um, incredible. Um, he was my lead PhD supervisor and he was uh, he managed me really well. And that's another thing, like he has the expertise, but he also taught me how to work with different personalities. Um, and I found that, you know, in my role today, you know, there's different coaches, different athletes. So um, he was incredible. You can tell me to stop. There's so many people. <laughs> Dr. Sean Barris, she's another, she's skill acquisition biomechanics specialist at South Australian Institute of Sport. Then our whole entire biomech network in swimming, we have a great network. So there's Dr. Mark Elipo, he's the lead biomechanist. You're just giving us yeah. future podcast guests. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just reeling them off. They're, they're, they're all great people. They all speak well. So everyone I've, I've reeled off, you'll have a lot of fun with them. But, yeah, they are next level. Like I'm mm. down here and all the people that I've listed, they will give you some great content. So, yeah. Sounds like the biomechanist community is quite supportive because it seems to be quite small and quite tight. Um, I'd, I'd agree. Yeah, I was also introduced. I didn't mention it. Um, it's only sort of drawn to my attention now. Um, there was a great conference, so the ISBS, so International Society of Biomechanics and Sport. Um, so I was encouraged with my honours to, to go to that conference and present a paper there. And, and that just opened doors to a whole world of biomechanists. Um, and, yeah, that was pretty – yeah, it's just I still collaborate with um, some, some people overseas. We talk, um, we get ideas, we've, we've supervised students together. So, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, attending those conferences and getting to know those people have, um, yeah, I wouldn't be where, where you are. You need people, you need community um, to sort of help you stumble, stumble your way through. Amazing. This has been so, so fascinating. Um, one last question. If you could go back to a university library and write a little note to leave on the desk of a student who's just gone for a bathroom break while they're studying, they come back and find this note, what would you write on that to encourage them to get to where you are? It's oh, a great question. And I had to add in the detail about going to take the bathroom yeah, break. Yeah, was, was detailed. <laughs> I like that. Or, or coffee break. You know. Yeah, mate, coffee. <laughs> No, let's love it. I didn't. I didn't even. I didn't even think it was that weird. So I love your banter between the two of you. It's wonderful. Um, uh, what would I leave them? Uh, I think. Um, 
Yeah, just continue to be curious. I think when you're at uni, it's easy to, I guess, be shy and quiet and you, you just sort of take your notes or you just kind of do the bare minimum, like, um, you know, just try to, you know, pass your assignment, for example, whereas you did really well because you had an interest in it. So I think if you find what you're really interested in, like sort of run with that and, um, yeah, like ask questions, be curious, um, I guess, read the room as well don't ask questions when like if you're in pool deck and the coach has like got two stopwatches going and pretty busy but I think people love questions and you being uh, interested and curious so yeah don't just try to pass your subjects um try to understand it and um see what you can glean out of it would be my advice nice that would be a really long note so I'd have to kind of contemplate probably like a page yeah yeah, I'd probably have to find something a bit more snappier because that, that would they would be like too long, didn't read. So yeah. I'd, 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 oh, I'd have to perfect. refine it a bit more. They, they, they have to study for their exams, like you said. So it's <laughs> <laughs> not have much time to spare. <laughs> um, before we wrap up, Rubes, any other episodes that we've done relate to, to VB? Yeah, well, uh, particularly to that last point around like follow what you're most curious about. One of the most curious people we've had in this podcast is uh, Jacob Tober, who's a sports scientist, has gone on. He's so curious about uh, velocity-based training that he's started an entire Instagram account around that concept and mm. created, created his own app called Metric, which measured, measures the speed at which you lift a weight so you can train based on the velocity. Uh, so he's episode 173, more of a strength and conditioning uh, focus episode, but equally curious in that space. Awesome. Fantastic. Vic, thank you so much for coming in. Um, today's been super, super interesting. I, I never knew there was that much that went into uh, the depth of the dive, as I mentioned, uh, <laughs> and hearing how you work with athletes and coaches at, at the VIS in, in swimming has just been uh, super, super interesting. So I really appreciate you coming in. I'm sure those tuning in would have got a lot from today. So thanks again. My pleasure. Thank you. Guys, it's time now for this people's segment, Ask Sports Grade, where every week we answer a question from our community. If you'd like to ask a question first, become a Sports Grade member at our website, sportsgrade.com.au slash community then you can add your question to our Discord channel named Ask Sports Grad. Rubes, this one comes from Path. He says, what else can I be doing to land a job in sport? feel like I'm trying my best, but wanted to know what else is out there. Mm. Very good question. And I can resonate with the feeling mm. where you feel like you're putting in so many hours, talking to so many people, nothing seems to be coming your way quickly. Yep. Um, so I understand it is a grind to, to get a job in sport. Um, first thing I would say is you, you've got to be patient because you never know when your time is going to pop up, but you've just got to keep showing up so that when that opportunity does arise, you are in the best position possible to nail that job interview. So don't give up, um, stay patient, but here are a few things that can help you when you get to that point in time when a job does come up. So if you feel like you're doing a lot at the moment, your experience is probably a- enough. Like you've probably got enough things on your resume to share with an organization that you can do the job. What is important now is how you sharpen that experience. And what I mean by that is start thinking about the different projects you've done within each experience. It could be a volunteer job. It could be a part-time casual role. It could be a full-time job. But within each of the things that you're doing, start to think about what outcomes have you helped to achieve. And then start to write out what you did to achieve those results and literally say like, hey, I was a sponsorship coordinator at my local football club and I helped to raise X amount of dollars in sponsorship and then explain how you went about that process. So start to write stories around your experience and use the STAR response. STAR stands for S-T, uh, sorry, STAR. How do you STAR? STAR stands for situation, task, action, result. And uh Use that framework to uh, to paint a very clear picture about what you can do and practice that over and over and over again so that no matter when you get asked about it, you know how to share about your experience in a really meaningful way. And that means when you get to an interview or when you're having coffee with someone who's trying to suss out if you're a good fit for their organisation and they ask you, what have you been doing for the last six months, rather than just saying, oh, well, I volunteered here and I did a casual shift there and I've been working there, like all of that's just mm. going to fall flat. You need to be able to say, 
Oh, well, I've been working full-time uh, in investment banking over here, but to try and get into sport, I've been volunteering at my grassroots club on the weekend. I took on the role of commercial coordinator to try and sell some sponsorship for the club. To go about it, I started by mapping out what are our different sponsorship packages and then thinking about which businesses would suit each of those packages. Mm. Then I went out to the community and approached every one of them, spoke to them individually and shared the benefits of, of joining our club. As a result, we were able to raise an extra $20,000 for the club this season. That's a lot more meaningful than just saying, I rocked up and volunteered. Yeah. So if you feel like you're doing a lot, just sharpen the experience you've got by, start, by starting to craft meaningful examples within those experiences and practice how you talk about it. Yeah, brilliant. Have two or three up your sleeve mm. as well. That's mm. brilliant. No, I love that. We love the star method. We know how to spell star now, which is fantastic. <laughs> and we also know what the uh, the letters stand for. Excellent. Brilliant. Thank you, Parth, for that question. Great one, mate. Um, if you'd like to ask a question or ask our friends in sport a question, sign up and become a SportsGrab member. Every fortnight we jump on speed networking, we do job fairs, all kinds of little events that help you get to where you want to get to. We also speak to industry professionals, hear about what they do day to day. So fantastic opportunity for you to get inside and get cracking in your career. All these sessions are also recorded. So we've got a massive library of uh, exclusive content ready for you to jump into. So uh, jump in immediately. It's, uh, it's a great, great opportunity. Find us on LinkedIn, plus give us some love with a rating if you enjoy the show. Subscribe on Apple or follow on Spotify. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Hey, guys, one last thing before you go. If you'd enjoy a quick email from us each Friday on all the latest job openings, networking events, Q&As with industry professionals and latest podcast episodes, then subscribe to the SportsGrad newsletter. Head to our website, www.sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to subscribe. There's also a link in our show notes to join.